Obviously for me, it's like, you know, I just get to be a little bit a part of someone's life like Trevor, but it's, you know, I feel so proud. Like, man, look at what God is doing, right? So it's pretty cool, and you should feel that way as well. Uh, Turn with me to John chapter 15. In your Bibles there, John chapter 15. And uh, today, we're just going to wrap up this series called The Ravished Heart of God, not in any way because we exhausted the revelation of God's heart. Amen? We're talking, that this, we're talking about the holy God with, we've been learning about his holy, perfect, eternal love. And we've been seeing, I mean, this is, you know, you know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit leads us into the deep things of God, the deep things of God. Oh my goodness. There it is right there. The heart of God. There is something so deep in his heart. And really, we've just been scratching the surface, just learning about his passion and desire for us, learning about his affection and his love. We've been learning about his compassion and how he's moved at our brokenness. We've been learning about, last week, Kurt talked about how his goodness and his faithfulness. And we've just been looking at the heart of God. And of course, we've been doing this uh, because that's just fun, but uh, also because we are, we're convinced that the truth about God's love is the root cure for things going on in our life. That the, 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 what we've been learning is that God's love and God's heart, when we really look into his heart, will change our hearts and heal our hearts and cause us to love him and to love others like he loves. That's holiness, to really be like God on the deep core of our being, to love like he loves. And so uh, what we believe is that really we've just been looking at his love, just saying, well, if we're gonna become like him, let's look at who he is. And we've just been looking at a few different aspects of who he is. And today, I, you know, it was so cool what Scott said earlier. Scott said, who wants to hear a prophetic word from God, you know? And I heard a bunch of people cheering and then he prophesied over us. Well, who wants to hear a prophetic word from God today? Yeah? Amen? I mean, every Sunday morning, I'm not just bringing some sort of sermon or whatever. I'm prophesying, and today I'm going to prophesy over you. I'm going to declare the word of the Lord to you. And the Lord wants to talk to us about his desire, a little bit more of his desire for us today. And so let's, uh, we'll dive right in. What we're going to do is we're going to read uh, John 15, just verse 5 to 8, and then I'll draw out what the Lord is saying to us this morning. Just listen to the word here. John 15, verse 5 through 8. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For with, without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask What you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you'll be my disciples. I just want to focus in, obviously in context, but I want to focus in on verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And Father, we, we're asking right now that you would give us insight. You'd open our hearts and you'd speak to us. Because what the Lord is saying this morning is that he wants to fulfill the desires of your heart. 
See, our God is so good. He is so extravagantly, abundantly, lavishly good that he actually wants to bless us. He wants to give things to us. Our God is a giver, an extravagant giver. And he is so much a giver that he not only wants to, you know, give us stuff that he wants to give us or meet our needs, but he wants to bless us. He actually delights in, he enjoys giving us the desire of our own hearts. That's how good he is. You know, last week, Kurt, I thought that was an amazing message where he talked about God himself is our reward. God has given us the greatest gift ever, himself. And then Kurt began to explain, I mean, just barely, like, again, scratch the surface, but so profound, of God's faithfulness and God's goodness and God's generosity. And I was just so stirred by that. And although that, that is the number one reality, that God himself is our reward. And yet the one who is our reward, the one who has given us himself, he himself is so good and so faithful that he wants to give us the desires of our hearts. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. I just want you to listen to some scriptures here. Psalm 85. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. James chapter 1, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow or turning. He is the God who gives good and perfect gifts. Doesn't Exodus 34 say that God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love and faithfulness, that that literally characterizes Him, a God who is giving, gracious, right? He's not stingy. We've been learning in this series that he's not cold and distant, but moved with compassion. Burning with desire for us, for relationship with us. He's the God who gives every good and perfect gift. Listen to Psalm 84. No good thing does he withhold from those, from them who walk uprightly. Psalm 40, well, I'm sorry, 145. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. And then Psalm 145, 19. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. Deuteronomy chapter 1. It is a good land which the Lord your God is giving us. Isn't our God the God who created the heavens and the earth? Did he have to create color? Did he have to create taste, good taste? Did he have to create music, beauty? Did he have to do that? No, it's who he is. It's who he is. He's an extravagant, creative, beautiful God. And he has given to us, even in creation, abundantly. Abundantly. There's always an abundance in the kingdom of God. Do you remember Jesus said, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to that they might have life and life abundantly. Do you know what that word abundantly means? It means more than what you need. 
more than what you need. This is the very heart and the character of God. God so loved the world that he gave. Right? He's a lover. He's a giver. And love loves to give. And love does not just seek to give what somebody needs. Love seeks to give what somebody wants. You say, well, how do you know that? Did you just make that up? Well, well, one, because you can see that even in the heart of those who are lovers. A father to a child, a mother to a child, a husband or wife to the spouse. But more than that, we see it in the word of God. God defines love. God defines love. And he shows us he didn't create because he needs. He created because he wants us. And he didn't have to create a beautiful world with colors and animals and a beautiful blue sky and amazing sunsets and sunrises. But he did because he wanted to do it for you. Creation reveals the extravagance of our God. Salvation reveals the extravagance of our God. Heaven reveals the extravagance of our God. You can look everywhere. You can see the promises of God in the word of God. He makes promises to us because he wants to give us the desires of our hearts. Right? To the Israelites, the promised land. It's a good land flowing with milk and honey. He wanted to give to them the desire of their hearts. Did in the promises in the Torah that God made to the Israelites, did he not promise them land? Ownership of land. Homes. Crops in abundance. Did he? Why? Because he wanted to bless them and give them the desire of their hearts. No good thing will he withhold from those who fear him. Look at Psalm 103. Just listen to this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Sometimes, some translations in that uh, Psalm 103, satisfies your desire. What about Romans 8.32? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The cross is the proof that God is a giver. And if God would sacrifice his son so that he could make you right with himself and give you himself, how much more would he give you all things? There are benefits to our salvation there is an inheritance that we have in God because of Christ. Not because of our own righteousness, not because of anything we've ever done, but by his grace. And then, of course, Psalm 37, 4, which most of us know. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll do what? I knew you knew it. Psalms 37, 4, right? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give to you the desires of his heart. That's not what it said, did it? Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. That's what it says. Your heart. Well, but Dave, what does the word say? Isn't 
Psalm th- listen, Psalm 37, 4. If you delight in the Lord, right? What did John 15 say? Abide in me and my word shall abide in you, right? That sounds pretty similar. Abiding in the Lord. Delighting in the Lord. He being your reward. Heaven being your home. You finding yourself fully in God. He says if that is who you are, if that's your reality. He says, he promises in Psalm 37, I'll give you the desires of your heart. And then in John 15, Jesus tells us how to access that. Ask. And he will give to you the desires of your heart. Of what you desire. He says, ask what you desire. Ask what who desires? You, me. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. He's a giver. You know, there's so much resistance to this, isn't there? I mean, I, I uh, I hope there's... I, I kind of hope if there is resistance in you, it's already coming up inside of you. I hope some of you are grumpy about what I'm saying. You know, some of you are like, yeah, but what about this, that, and the other thing? I hope some of you are trying to qualify what I'm trying to say in your head already. Because there's so much resistance to what I'm saying. I wonder why. I wonder why. I wonder. I wonder why we don't really want to embrace this truth. I wonder if maybe certain ways we were raised. Maybe, you know, maybe because we were told that's selfish. Or that's sinful. Or maybe we were told that's a want, not a need. You know, maybe, maybe we were raised, and this is so common, by the way, without, um, with people who who maybe withheld things from us, withheld affection. Maybe absent parents, emotionally absent, maybe even physically absent. Maybe, maybe parents who made promises and broke them. And so we learned not to trust. We learned not to want. Because just don't get your hopes up. Or maybe the way we were raised in church Or maybe because we've gone after things in the wrong way. And we know there are selfish desires inside of us. We know there are broken things inside of us. And we know we've gone after things the wrong way. I don't know. What, where's the resistance to this truth coming from? But all I'm talking about today is what his heart is towards you. My response, well, that's important, right? But I'm just saying, the scriptures make it very clear. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. He wants to bless you. He's made promises to you. That is what God wants to do. That's his heart. If you, if you want to, you don't, you don't have to, but I'm going to turn to John, or I'm sorry, Luke 15 now. And I want to show you some some of how this resistance might look. See if we can run through this kind of quickly. This is the story of the prodigal son, what, what is classically called the prodigal son. It's the story of, of one son that leaves the father's house. Right? He says to his father, give me my inheritance. 
And then he takes, the, takes uh, his father, he takes his inheritance that his father gives him, and he goes off into another country, and he wastes his inheritance on what's called prodigal living, sinful, wasteful living. Right? Sexual morality and drunkenness and et cetera, et cetera. And, and he ends up, uh, 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 well, look what it says here in Luke 15. He, <clears throat> verse, verse 14. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. He began to be in want. Why is that? Because every time you leave the father's house, and you look for something outside of God, you will never be satisfied. Never. You go chasing after things, even as a Christian, looking to this person or that thing to satisfy you, and you'll never be satisfied because only He, as our Creator and our Source, can satisfy our hearts. And you leave the Lordship of Jesus to go after something else and you will end up in bondage. That's what happens in Luke 15. You leave the Father's house. You leave and you take that inheritance that God has for you and you squander it, doing things your way and you will end up in want. Right? But that doesn't mean He doesn't want to give it to you. Sin is going after something that God wants to give you your way. Your way. And what we find here is that one of the first things happens is that we desire things in the wrong way. Yeah. Is there lust out there? Greed, selfishness, entitlement mentality. Oh boy, I'd say probably most of the world thinks like that. Because they're living outside of the Father's house. Orphans. Every human being who's not reconciled to... The Father God, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, has an orphan heart. God has written eternity on our hearts and we're longing, longing. Do you realize what you long for in marriage? You really just long for the oneness that Jesus has for you. You know what you're longing for when you want a home? You're longing for your mansion that Jesus is building in heaven. Of course, he's the fullness. He's the source. He's everything. And when he's not first, when we're not delighting in the Lord, abiding in the Lord, dependent upon the Lord, right? This is why Jesus says, you want to find life, you have to do what? Die to self. That's the only way into the kingdom. You try to save your life, you lose it. You lose your life for my sake and for the gospel, you'll find life and life abundantly, right? See, the promises and the blessings of God are found, are, are available to the person who has died to those things, Right? Look at this other son. Remember, there's two sons that were lost in this story. We usually forget about this other guy. And I find this story to be one of the more important stories in the Gospels. We, always, we usually go back to it because it provides a paradigm for us. And that this younger prodigal son, the wasteful one, he comes back home, right? He repents. He realizes like, in fact, one of the things he says, I love it, because he goes, my, my, uh, my father's servants, in verse 17, my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare. He's like, dude, in the kingdom, even servants have more than enough. We're not servants. We're sons and daughters. He's like, dude, slaves have more than enough in my dad's house. That's the kingdom, right? 
So he's like, shoot, I should go home. At least I could be a slave there. He comes home and the father sees the son moved with compassion, right? We talked about this. And he embraces the son, kisses the son, lavishes love upon the son. He doesn't even listen to the son's, you know, apology. You know, what are you talking about? You're not worthy. I'm not worthy. You know, that's, that's like where we get that verse. I'm so not worthy, right? I'm sure some of you are thinking that. Well, I mean, you know, God wants to fulfill his desires. I know, Dave, but we're not worthy. Yeah, well, wh- who are you? Which son are you then? You know, oh, I'm not worthy, right? And the father's like, ah, forget you, right? He puts the ring on his finger. It's like a credit card. Puts the robe on him, right? His own robe, he restores him instantly to the place of sonship and inheritance. And inheritance. Throws a party. And then this older son. Right, the older son's in the field. Verse 25. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fat calf. Verse 28. But he was angry and would not go in. We're so offended by grace, aren't we? The extravagance of grace. So the father goes out to him and pleads with him. Always the initiator, isn't he? Always the pursuer. Always grace. Verse 29, so he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. Literally, you could translate slaving for you. I've been slaving for you all these years. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat. Do you see that? He never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, right? Envy, anger, offense. Son of yours. Comes home. He says, as soon as the son of yours came, you devoured, who devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. Verse 31, he said, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. Hear that? Son, all that I have is yours. Don't you understand? Luke chapter 12. The Father delights to give you the kingdom. No good thing does he withhold from those who fear him. Delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Romans 8, I, I gave my only son for you. How much more would I give you all things? Son, all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. See, this other brother, this older brother, the older son, you notice that he slaves. Jesus is talking about the Pharisees, right? He's talking about people who are religious and he's talking about Father God. These are people who slave for God. But they don't ever ask him for what they desire because to them desires are sinful or selfish or at best unnecessary if this is the person who out from outward perspective they look spiritual i'm the giver in the relationship right i don't just mean with god i mean like in marriages all the time. i'm the giver i sacrifice i give it's not about me. It's about other people. Right? This is the one who's like, I don't need anything. I'm a pilgrim on this earth. You know? And hey, I'm all about s- simplicity and all that. I, I mean, praise God for people who live simple. I, I, I'm not trying to say that. And praise God if you want to choose that. What I mean is oftentimes these people th- 
outwardly or to themselves, they seem like, to themselves, they seem like they're the selfless one. Or they feel like they're the victim. Right? I've worked so hard for you, God, but I've ne- you never gave me anything. Right? And the, his perspective of the Father is so warped. This, go- this guy, this religious son doesn't know the goodness of the Father. He doesn't know. Remember uh, Paul said to the, to the Pharisaical Christian or Jew, don't you know that it's God's kindness, God's goodness that leads to repentance? Right, this is the kind of person who doesn't understand that God wants to give these things to them. That the inheritance is for them. That it's all available. And would you just ask? The son never asked. He never asked. Why? Oh, but because that's sinful. And I don't know how many of us were raised by people like this. Maybe a sermon like this. Maybe a pastor like this. Maybe a parent like this. Who told you you're a sinful selfish little prodigal son, right? Think about it. If the prodigal son had come home and he ran into the older brother, what message would he have heard? Oh, oh, look at your back. Hey, let me just give you some advice. Lay low, you know? Don't ask for anything. Yeah, you should do that slave thing, shouldn't you? Because you're not worthy. You're not worthy. Think about it. How many people? They're come running back to God. They run into a church and some older brother's preaching instead of the father. Do you hear that? Think about that. Someone's coming home to God and someone, you're not worthy. And just lay low. Right? Oh, it sounds really spiritual. Hey, he died for you. You don't need anything else. What if God, if God never does anything else for you? He, dang, dang it, he died for you. Don't be asking for anything else. I mean, look at all this that he did for you. You don't deserve anything else, right? right that's, that's the older brother. Don't ask. Because it's selfish. Are our desires selfish? Are all desires selfish? See, under the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, all back to Genesis 3, all desires under the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Selfish. They're outside of that abiding in God. They're outside, they're disconnected from the life of God. They're broken and they're warped. It's probably why most of the world desires wrongly. And it's probably why so much of the Bible tells us, don't desire things according to your own heart. There's actually verses that will say, like, don't desire according to your own. He's talking about your flesh. He's talking about your f- flesh. Outside of the life of God. Evil desires. Lust, greed. Yes, those are horrible things. But what would it look like under the tree of life? If there are fleshly desires, that which is broken and distorted because it's outside the life of God, could there be desires that are from the Spirit? Think about it. Isn't it the very image of God? God who didn't need anything, did not create because he has needs, and did not create because he's selfish, but he wants you. Does God have desires? I feel, I hope we've shown that this last couple weeks. He desires you. He wants you. Jesus gets the nations as his inheritance and he is passionately 
pleading the Father, give me the nations, my inheritance. I mean, you, like you and I are going like, like really? Do you realize like in, it, in heaven, in heaven, the Father, Son, hanging out together, and Jesus is interceding the Father for the nations to be his inheritance. He's praying for lost people to be saved. You want your family and friends to be saved? Man, you're not praying anything like Jesus is praying. I mean, I'm not dissing you. You could be crying and weeping and desiring it more than anything else. And Jesus is crying out to the Father. Even your own sanctification. I really want, I just want to be whole. I want to be healed. I, I, just, I just want to love God. My goodness, you don't want it as much as he wants it. See, that's what's warped. There are things that you want that are not selfish. I just, just, I just want to be whole. And you don't believe some of you do not believe that he wants it more than you want it. And he is up there interceding the Father, crying out for your wholeness. Jesus has desires. Now, is he patient? My goodness, he's waited 2,000 years for his inheritance. I'm pretty sure we could be patient, right? right? You know, I'm not sure if I could wait, Dave. You know, I just, I don't know, you know, I'm a young man. I don't know if I could wait till I get married to, you know... Jesus waited 2,000 years for the consummation of his marriage. Not in a sexual way, of course, but I mean, I think you can wait, you know? Patience, very important. Thankfulness, essential. No, I'm, I'm not trying to talk, I'm not talking about entitlement mentality here. I'm not talking about, there's a lot going on in us that needs to be purified and refined. What I'm talking about is, it is the very character of God to desire. And he's not selfish. And he doesn't need. And like I said, why would he make promises? Oh, because he's trying to manipulate you. Yeah, yeah, you just follow me and I'll, I'll, fine, fine, I'll, fine, I'll bless you with a house. Right? I mean, come on, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, he said, he said, if anyone leaves house, or mother or father, children for my sake and for the gospel. Oh, in this life, in this life, he'll, he'll get a hundredfold. This life, he'll get houses, children, fields. Oh, did he, he said that because someone twisted his arm, huh? He did that because he was like, man, you, you guys are so selfish as people. So selfish. You know what? Fine, 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 fine. Here we go. You follow me and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a house, okay? I'll throw it in. Uh, please, please just accept me as Lord and Savior, please. Please, um, I'll throw in a house. I'll throw it in. Okay, I'll give you some promises. Oh my goodness, these people are so selfish. Fine, fine, healing, fine. By my, by your, by my stripes, you can be healed. Whatever, I'll do that too. Guys, geez, so selfish. Right, this is what we think. This is what we think, like God like, doesn't really want to do these things. Why would he create? Why would he make promises? Why would he die? Why would he pay the price for these things? Why would it be in heaven if it's not a part of our inheritance? Why? Because the, I mean, the answer is clear. I mean, he wants to. He wants to. And he's made promises. You know why he makes those promises? To awaken your heart so that you will desire. Because he created, he didn't create human beings to be slaves and be owned by someone else and live in debt. Oh, he created us to be free and to create and to own land. Yeah. You just read the Bible. It's all over. New Testament, Old Testament. You're like, oh, that's just in the Old Testament. Mark chapter 10. It's all over the word of God. The only reason he makes these promises is because he wants to convince us of this. 
And listen, this is what he is saying to the prodigal. And listen to what he is saying to the religious son. He says to both of his sons, I have an inheritance for you. All All that I have is yours. That is what he says to the one who did it the wrong way. You did it the wrong way. This is the greatest way probably to evangelize or you know, share Jesus with people who are living in sin, even Christians. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you going after those things? What do you really want? I just want peace, man. Well, how, how's, how, how, how's that like numbing out with drugs doing? Is that doing good? Is that, is that working? Right? I, I, well, I just want intimate. I'm tired of being alone. Well, how, how's that working? Just doing the doing it the sinful way, you know, giving your body to, to somebody who's not your spouse. How, how's that working? You know, or, or a man with pornography. You know, you want to feel powerful. You want to feel the, how's that working? I just, I, I feel empty. I feel in want. Dead on the inside. Yeah! This is not from God! But what is, what's going on inside of them? I want something. What do you want? I want life. I want joy. I want peace. I want intimacy. Really, I mean, come on. Think about it. Any person who's living in sexual sin, and you could pick any number of whatever that sexual sin is, they want intimacy. It's just going at it the wrong way. The father would say, I have an inheritance for you. I have something better for you. I have life for you. I made you for that. Why don't you trust me? You don't trust that I'm good. You don't trust that I have the best thing for you. You don't trust that I'm going to provide. Why would anyone steal? Because they don't trust that God actually has something good for them. And he says to the religious one, I have an inheritance for you. It is not selfish for you to want what I want to give you. It is not selfish for you to desire something that is good. Desires aren't sinful in themselves, under the tree of life, walking in the spirit. I don't believe you can desire wrongly. Now listen, walking in the spirit, you cannot desire something wrong. Oh, but we have a flesh. Yes, we do. Probably for the rest of our life, God will have to refine motives, teach us how to be patient, thankful, blah, blah, blah. Listen, I think we're so conscious of our sin and brokenness, we've created theology about God and ourselves. In a, in a, but think, think about it. I'm talking about me. I'm talking renewed mind. Renewed mind, walking in the spirit. Jesus purifying my motives and my hearts. And my heart. I'm walking in the spirit. I can't desire wrongly. I really don't believe that. In fact, let me give you an example. I was, um, when I was... Uh, well, ever since I came to Jesus, the Lord was calling me to do some things for him and he began to paint these pictures in my heart of this vision that he wanted to do through me. And you know, I remember after I was Christian for, I don't know, three or four years, the Lord confronted me and said, this is all about you. It's all about you. No, no, it's not about, it's about you, God. He said, it's all about you. And he began to reveal to me, I was full of selfish ambition. It's all about me. Oh my goodness. And the Lord had to just strip away this pride and this ambition. Prune the dead places in me. Oh, it hurt. It was a long process of dying to self 
You know, it's so, and you know, and I thought I had messed up and sinned and, you know, you know, I thought I lost my calling or whatever. And of course, there's a lot of times you think, well, that must've just been me and my nice, fancy imagination. Until now, after years and years of the Lord, breaking that in my heart. And it's not about me. Not to say there's not parts that I, I still struggle with some bad motive or something like that. I mean, God's still refining me, pruning me. I would never say that perfect or anything. But I'll tell you, you know the vision that he showed me when I was 17? It's the same. See, there is a difference between the selfish ambition in the heart of Dave Turner that would, have sought, that would have destroyed God's plan for my life, that would have destroyed me. There's a difference between that selfish ambition and the dream and the desire that was in my heart that God stirred in me. See, my calling was always the same. You might pick plan B, but he's still got plan A. The gifts and the call of God are irrevocable. And so as God stripped away the pride, then he awakened and he said, now Dave, see what I've showed you? Dream! Desire! See that vision that I have for you! And he called it forth. You know, that's what John 15 is about, right? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire and it will be done for you. He's saying, Dave, we already dealt with that pride stuff. So there's things he has to prune. But there are so many areas also in our life where we either just don't think God wants it as much as we do or we think it's sinful. And so often we lose hope. We lose hope. We don't have time to turn there, but let me just reference this really quick. That, that Proverbs 13, it says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. See, another reason people stop desiring is because they're tired of waiting. And what happens is sometimes it's because you had a parent who made promises and broke them and was inconsistent or distant or gone. So you learned, don't get your hopes up. Just don't want, don't dream. Don't ever even get it up because then you'll be disappointed. So don't do it. And people, that part of them dies on the inside of them. There's something about the image of God that desires, dreams, creates and what God is looking for is not robots and little babies that he, t- this is what we think we go, well, you just really, God tells you what to desire and then you desire it. I mean, it's like, I mean, yes and no, because he's refining, purifying our desires, but no, he wants us to create with him. He wants, he wants human beings who will partner with him and rule with him according to his will. And there's some of us that we've just lost heart. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But it's so interesting because Proverbs 13 says, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Well, isn't that interesting? It's a tree of life? Do you think that if we would have just trusted God and ate from the tree of life instead of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, maybe God would have actually fulfilled the desires and longings of the human heart? Yes, and that is exactly what he's doing in redemption, that he's trying to teach us if you'll walk in the spirit, if you'll delight yourself in me, if I would be your source and your goal, then you would ask me for what you actually desire and want and I would do it for you according to the promises in my word. How do you know? How do you know, Dave? Are you talking about like name it and claim it? No, I'm not talking about name it and claim it. I'm talking about how do you know? Because God's promises in his word reveal his will and reveal that he wants to do it. 
You want to find out if it's like a good thing or a bad thing or it's a you thing or it's a him thing? Read the word. You get in the word. That's funny. Everything always goes back to that, doesn't it? Funny. You get into the word and you find out what God's heart is like. You find out his promises. You know, some people, you know one of the reasons why you, you don't hear God, some of you? Or you don't know your calling? Some people are like, I just don't know what my calling is. Some of it's times because we're so afraid to want or to dream because we'll fail or God will let us down or we've lost heart. Desire is actually a component of faith. Jesus would often tell somebody, what do you want me to do for you? He would awaken desire. I just want to be whole. I want to see. I want to be healed. And then fine. He, be, see. He would awaken desire inside of them because that desire is a component of faith. He was awakening it inside of them. But so many of us, you wonder, I don't, why don't I hear God? Because God is trying to reveal his promises to you to awaken desire so that you'll tell him, God, this is what I want. And then he'll speak to you. Speak, hearing God, I mean, I, you, know, you know me, I think people ask me, what should I do? Hear God. But people, when I say that, they think I mean like, God is treating us like a kid or a robot. No, he wants to collaborate with you. Here, let me tell you what my promises are. Really? God, this is what I really want. God says, really? And then he speaks to you about how to make it happen. Many of us do not hear God because we are like passive. Speak to me. God has never given me, God has never given me a young goat. You know, just like that prodigal, just like that second son. He never done anything for me. Doesn't speak to me. I don't know what my calling is. God just, and we like waiting. You know what God would say to you? Dream! Desire! Because there's something he's put inside of you and he wants to awaken it. And guess what? If you'd be in the word and you'd hear his promises, you, he would paint these pictures on, you, on your heart and show you what he wants to do. And it would be this collaborative, beautiful thing. See, what I want you to understand, and it's all over the word of God, is that God wants to give you the desires of your heart. And the Lord is saying to the person who's lost heart, to the prodigal who's done it the wrong way, to the religious person who thinks, oh, it's just selfish, and it's just stopped asking. The Lord would say, desire and ask me. Come to me. Tell me. Tell me. And Jesus would ask this question all the time. What do you want? What do you want? And I want you to understand, see, for some of you who are single, God wants you to have a spouse more even than you do. Now, some of you might be called a celibacy. Praise God, hallelujah, if that's your desire of your heart. But if your desire is to be married, it's all over the word of God that houses and riches are an inheritance from the fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. There's promises in the word of God that no good thing does he withhold from those who fear him. You have this desire, but some of you, some of you, you just stop desiring because you, or, or like the prodigal, you're like, oh, I don't, I'm not worthy, you know? And when, seriously, some of you sell yourself short God wants you to have a godly spouse who loves him more than they, who loves, they love you and who's faithful to you. You know, and if you're already married and he wants to change the one you have, you know, I'm not give you a new one. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we laugh, but oh, you, I'm telling you, no prodigal thing going on here. I'm talking about the fact that God wants to do that. He does not want you to have somebody who doesn't like you abusive or mean to you or not faithful or something like that we usually people like that they just say well i can't get anything better so i'll just sell myself short for that no you don't know the goodness of god he wants to give you the desires of your heart now i mean honestly you know again this is a collaborative thing you come to god and you say i want that person well he might say you know that's not the person for you or you need to wait 
But he's not going to be like, no, a person's too good for you. <laughs> so of course, singles here. I, my, I mean, my heart, I pray for you. I pray for singles that you'd be patient. You'd thank the Lord and you'd wait on him. Praise God, you'd do it his way. But that you would believe him. That he wants to give you the desire of your heart. God has a calling on your life. Some of you are longing for restoration. The Lord says, I will heal. They're backsliding. Some of you need to hear that he says, I am the one who will finish the good work that I, uh, that I will finish. I complete the good work that I started in you. You know, uh, Ange over here earlier was saying that the Lord was saying, God is saying today that I, I can and I will do bigger things, greater things through you than you could ever ask or imagine. I'm putting in my words. It's on the right track. I mean, I'm talking about your calling here. I'm talking about your calling, right, Luke? To believe that God wants to fulfill your calling more than you do. Right? That God has created you for a purpose. And so often we just don't dream. We just don't desire. Because I'm I'm just not really sure. I'm just not really sure. But it's so often rooted in fear and hopelessness. But if you would come before the Lord and say, this is what I want. And let him build up your faith. Some of you, it's a home. Oh, but that's just selfish. Well, you know, you know, no, no. Yeah, of course. You get a house, you'll still want, you'll still want, you need to find your satisfaction in Jesus. Same thing with marriage. Right? You need to find your satisfaction in Jesus first. Praise God. But he wants to give you these things. There's promises in the word of God for you to own a home. Oh man, but the enemy, you know, I just made a big, bad mistake. I've lost my house. Or, 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 you know, the enemy just, oh man, you know, somebody lied to me. Some lender lied to me. God promises what the enemy stole. I will restore. He wants to do these things in your life. And what the Lord is saying is desire with me. Dream with me. Come to me. Delight yourself in me. Let me build up your faith with my promises. Let me show you what I want to do. And then ask me. Do you see that in John 15? Ask. Ask. Tell me. Tell me. What do you want? It's like what I would tell my son or my daughter. Tell me. What do you want? Right? Amen. Here, come on up. I've got all these other illustrations, but Luke, just lead us in response. Well, if you still uh, have some barriers to uh, get to this, I don't know how, because I think Dave's pretty much destroyed all those barriers. Um, you, you really don't want to receive this if you still have a barrier up. Um, this is going to be a really short response, so I feel like the Lord is saying, um, whatever those desires and dreams are that are in your heart, uh, you, need to, you need to get started doing that. So if you want to be a writer, start writing. If you want to be a singer, start singing. If you want to be a pastor, start pastoring. You don't need a church or a platform to be a pastor. All you need is another person. Okay? All you need to be a writer is a pen and a paper. That's all you need. All you need for your dream is a place to start. So why don't you stand with me? Worship team, you can come, you can come on up. A lot of us have dreams and desires that we're just afraid to verbalize because we're, afraid, we're embarrassed by them. Like I didn't tell people I wanted to be a chaplain for a really long time because I just really wasn't sure if it was going to happen. Thanks, Scott. I really wasn't sure if it was going to happen. And, and so here's what I want you to do. I want you to proudly verbalize what you want to be. Like, say it. Say it proud. On the count of three, we're going to say it. Okay? And this is what I don't want you to do. I want to be a chaplain. I want to be a writer.
I want to be a singer. I want you to actually say, I want to be a chaplain. I want to be a writer. I want to be a singer. I want to be a businessman or woman. I want to be a father. I want to be a mother. I want to be a big sister. I want to be a cousin. I want to be a family member. Something like that. So I'm afraid we're going to say it. One, two, three. I want to be a chaplain. Now start doing it. Start doing it. We're going to have prayer teams in the back. Um, Kurt had a word for, uh, for somebody, and this was very specific. By the way, for those of you that don't know what a word is or what that means, um, it's something that the, uh, we really feel like the Lord has impressed it upon our heart. That this is something he wants to step into. Um, so it's kind of like reading your mail a little bit. Uh, this is something that the Lord wants to step into. So if this applies to you, uh, go ahead and, and see us in the back. Um, if you have a relative that's near, like near death, God wants to intervene in that. Like he actually wants to, to step in um, and intervene in that. And by the way, the people in the back aren't the only people in this church that can pray. Um, um, if, you're, if you're out there, you can pray. So if you don't feel comfortable going back there, find a friend of yours that is next to you and have them pray for you. That's okay. That's okay to do that. Um, so let's, uh, let's worship the Lord.